your product and your inventory that you have in your warehouse is money. It's just dollars, you know? So you think about it just like a bank account, you know? And you can't imagine running a business or even running your personal life without having a clear idea of what's in the bank account, you know? And, and, uh, Unfortunately, that's the way that we see a lot of people running their running their their CPG companies. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. I was reading that 43% of small businesses in the United States don't track inventory or do so using a manual system. In CPG, our inventory has the added complexity of lot and batch tracking, expiration dates, recalls, compliance, and certifications. Brands who win have a handle on their inventory margins and operations. That's why we've got Ken Ojuka joining us today to talk all things inventory and physical product movement. Ken is the CEO of Fiddle, a modern inventory operations software for CPG brands and manufacturers. Listen in as Ken walks us through how to think about inventory and CPG, how and when to choose an inventory system, and other best practice tips to manage your inventory like a pro. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for being here. Hey, Jesse. It's good to talk to you again. I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's always fun to get to talk to another ops person. And uh, this is actually the the third podcast episode I've recorded with Ken on different. I've been on his show. He's been on my personal show. So this is super fun to get to connect again and to talk particularly for our startup CPG audience and talk all things inventory management. So I'd love if, Ken, if you could just start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, and and what you do at Fiddle. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Ken Ojuka. I'm um, originally from Uganda. So Ojuka is one of these names that people don't know what to think. Um, sometimes people think it's Japanese, but no, I'm originally from Central Africa. Um, and I came to the States when I was about seven years old. Personality-wise, I am really into sports. I, I love technology. Um, and I'm like a, I'm one of these rare blends that's like really into sports, but also a super geek at heart. <laughs> and um, so my, my tech side comes out in the form of uh, I like I like programming I like building systems um, I, I like thinking about complex problems and you know and tackling those and so that's that's kind of fun I am father of five kids and uh, so we had our our fifth kid earlier uh, early last year uh, he's almost a year old but um uh, love the family life my kids are super into sports and so you know that's that's the dad side of me i'm the crazy dad on the sidelines you know cheering for my kids and going half crazy but that's that's fun for me so anyway that's a little bit about myself i um founded fiddle um about 3 years ago with a with a friend of mine uh, his name's morgan he's my co-founder um me and morgan actually it's interesting we know each other from uh, we both played soccer at uh, brigham young university um and so we were both defenders on the same team and learned to work together really liked each other and you know are not a, we don't freak out when we yell at each other and things get a little heated because we're used to that um and so we've been uh, doing fiddle for a few years and and having a blast awesome i love it and can you just give us a brief kind of overview of the type of software that fiddle is and some of the challenges you solve and then we'll kind of get into some of your your expertise on some hot topic questions yeah so fiddle is uh inventory management software for brands um and so we actually have a um we we came from a manufacturing background and so um as we as we um as we built fiddle we actually realized that a lot of the manufacturing background and understanding that that 
that we kind of grew up in, it really helps brands, you know, to be able to work better with their co-packer um, to um, tackle a lot of the problems that they face. But, you know, at, at the heart, we're inventory uh, software uh, to help you keep track of, of how much you, how much inventory you have, not just the finished good, but uh, work in pro- progress and then also raw materials. Um, and then we help you with purchasing, uh, supplier management, having a place to keep track of all the costs and the quotes that you're getting from all your different suppliers um, and then help you to, um, you know, come up with your cogs as you, you know, it turns out that's one of the, the big things that, that people struggle with is, you know, exactly how much did this cost me to, to, to make? And um, there's just a lot of things coming at you um, all the time, you know, and so, you know, Fiddle helps you to, to be able to make sense of a lot of that. Great. That's super helpful. I'd like to start out just kind of taking it back to super basics, inventory 101, thinking about founders that this is their first CPG company. They've probably got a recipe and they're going to a co-packer. What are some of the things that they're going to be thinking about related to inventory and that are going to come up and that they're going to have to either have their own planning tools for or ultimately they're going to use a system. I'm just thinking about those super early days of being like, all right, if I know nothing about inventory, what am I going to be thinking about when I get started with a co-packer? And then we can talk a little self-manufacturing, but let's start there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked it. You know, the first thing is is to really have a, a perspective, the right perspective about inventory. You know, honestly, a lot of times when you bring up inventory, people yawn a little bit. It's not necessarily the exciting part. Of, of business, but you have to really think about it like um, your product and your inventory that you have in your warehouse is money. It's just dollars, you know? So you think about it just like a bank account, you know, and it, it, you can't imagine running a business or even running your personal life without having a clear idea of what's in the bank account, you know? And, and, uh, Unfortunately, that's the way that we see a lot of people running their running their their CPG companies. You know, um, how much inventory do you have? Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. That that's not an acceptable answer. I mean, you can you can do that for a while, but uh, you quickly can can run into some trouble. You know, and so you know, I, I like just kind of having the right perspective where this is literally it's dollars. You know, the you have a million dollars sitting on a shelf you know, in, in a warehouse somewhere. Um, and y- you should keep track of that. Know um, when more get goes in there, when uh, any of it goes out, um, y- you should have a pretty clear picture of that. And I think that the, the reason a lot of people don't is because, you know, in the past, it's been pretty difficult to get those numbers. But, you know, we, we think that um, with Fiddle, we're, we're trying to tackle some of those problems, make it a little bit easier, make it approachable for for the average uh, CPG startup, you know. And so that's that's probably the, the first perspective. Um, the second thing is that there, there's a lot of ways in which you can automate this stuff uh, these days. Um, a lot of integrations, um, systems do a much better job of talking to other systems in 2022 than, you know, I think it did in, 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 uh, you know, like the nineties, you know, when, when this stuff was a lot tougher, um, almost every system has some sort of API. And so we're really big on, on these integrations and trying to automate as much as possible, but giving you a place where it's like, at least you have a dashboard that's pretty close to what's actually sitting anywhere in your warehouse. So those are, those are a couple, you know, sort of initial, initial tips. And I, and I think that it goes beyond, you know, one of, one of the other things to think about is it's, it's beyond just your finished product. There's a lot that goes into, you know, actually being able to deliver a product to a customer, you know, and you have to think a lot about the costs surrounding like your packaging components, your raw materials, you know, even like the freight costs just to ship things from here to there. These things uh, add up, you know, where 
Um, we, we see a lot of CPG product or companies that are operating from the perspective of, you know, I think it cost me five bucks to, to make my product. But then when you really add, a, add things up and you look at all the freight costs and customs charges and testing charges and, you know, warehouse charges, and you look at all those things together, you realize that it's a lot more than five dollars, you know, to, to produce that product. And, and that affects everything. It affects, you know, how much you can you can um, spend to market this product. It, it, it um, affects, you know, the price that you should set your product um, that you should sell your product for um, the channels that will make sense for your product. And so it's just um, it's just a good practice to get an understanding of some of these numbers um, before you really go to market and, and start to scale because you'll, you'll get into trouble pretty quickly. Those are those are really great perspectives. I really appreciate that. And I think just the the thought of really picturing your your inventory as dollars is is so helpful because I've seen it where you're you know you can, you only have limited cash as a startup and you know you you make a bunch of inventory to fill an order and hopefully it goes out to fill that order but you may not get paid for a couple months or the order gets canceled and you've got it sitting there on the shelf well that that cash is now tied up so managing that correctly so that your cash is where you need it when you need it either it's a physical good or it's in your bank account when you need it for trade spend or whatever managing that whole process can be super tricky for for a new brand Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and there's no real school for this is the thing is that, you know, a lot of us are, you know, people who just kind of fell in love with a product idea and started exploring it. And before you know it, you're running, you know, this, this company with a warehouse full of stuff and, you know, you're, you're just learning on the job, you know? And so, um, it's really easy to kind of miss some of these concepts or just, just not really, um, uh, take them seriously enough, um, because you don't know any better. Right. And, Kind of on that note of for a brand that's going to work with a with a co-packer and they're setting up their relationship, there there's going to be a big inventory component of maybe maybe the brand is providing some of the ingredients or or you know they're just going to need to know how much inventory is at the warehouse of the co-manufacturer. Do you from your experience and your your time with Fiddle, are there tips that you have for seeing people be more successful in working with their co-manufacturer and having a better grasp of what inventory is where and what the actual situation is and how they can set up that relationship for success from a systems and just understanding the where the physical products all are in the process. Yeah, you know, I think that you can you can get pretty, you know, complex complicated with all this and pretty detailed, but the, the, there's a lot of low hanging fruit that we, that we just experience on um, a daily basis working with our clients. Um, you know, uh, just things like setting expectations when you engage with a new uh, co-packer about what the communication is going to be like, the reports that they need to deliver to you. So for instance, having like a production run report of just a production summary, what did you make? Um, what did you consume? You know, and what, what do I have left? Right. Um, a lot of times getting that from your co-packer is like pulling teeth um, and, and setting those expectations from the very beginning that, hey, you know, I'm going to trust you with this. We're going to partner, you know, to make this product. But, you know, I, I, this is what I need in order for me to be able to run my business, you know. And so a lot of times it's it's really kind of the basics. Um, the other thing I'd say, you know, which, you know, it might be easier said than done, especially in today's world where, um there's a lot of supply chain type issues is make sure that you have some optionality. Um, you know, co-packers, a lot of times, um, if they know that they're the only ones that can make your thing, um, you know, they end up kind of not treating you the best, you know, but knowing that you've got another option is really important. Um, so that, you know, if you run into any, any problems, you can still get your product made. 
by by somebody else. So even if you have your primary co-packer, but you know, make sure to get a secondary and a, a tertiary um, a co-packer, um, just so that so that you can make sure that that you don't um, fail or run out of product because of a co-packer problem. So um, there's this really great um, marketer that I used to I used to follow. I haven't followed him in a while. His name's Dan Kennedy. Um, really smart. Um, kind of grew up in the direct response you know, time and, and um, you know, talks a lot about direct response uh, marketing. But one of the things that he said that really stuck with me is that the worst number in business is one. You know, as soon as anytime you have one of anything, you're vulnerable. You know, if you have one customer, that customer goes away, you're out of business. You have one marketing channel, you know, and a lot of people are feeling this with Facebook, right? Um, Facebook, you know, changes their their algorithm or Apple forces them to to change how much data they collect. All of a sudden, Facebook isn't working anymore. Now you're vulnerable. You know, if you have one supplier or any any component um, on, on your build materials, you're vulnerable, you know, and so just having a little bit of optionality, I think is just really good business sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a challenge I noticed early on at LiveBar is we had some in the early days, there was, you know, one supplier for a specialty ingredient. And then all of a sudden the supplier says, hey, I didn't, you know, kale crop didn't look good this year. So we just don't have any. And you're like, oh, shoot, that's going to be a huge interruption to our business. So starting to plan in all of those backups for backups for backups and nurturing those relationships, because it's not like you can just especially on the sourcing side, you know, be like, oh, I Googled or again, organic kale. And it looks like this person has it, you know, you got to go all the way through and you got to call them and find out the minimums and all of those pieces. And so that you you're ready for an emergency. Um, Because when you need that order, or when UNFI or KHE or Walmart places that big order and you can't make it, then yeah, you're super vulnerable. So that's super helpful. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think it's important to just underscore that it's not just the um you know um the the co-packer right to have a you know a couple different co-packers, a couple different options, but you know like like in your example for the the raw materials, and a lot of people don't don't think about that. Um, you know, and just just kind of cultivating those relationships before you you're in an emergency and you're in a hard spot and you need and you need something. And then, you know, the other side benefit of that is that it helps you to be able to compare pricing. You know, a, a lot of times you don't realize that that you can have something done, you know, at a much better price uh, unless you're you're constantly kind of looking at the market and, and a lot of times with a co-packer if you um, make them compete you know, with each other, you end up getting much better pricing and you, and you get better treatment. Yeah, absolutely. I think this kind of leads us into talking a little bit about sourcing and the and just keeping track of everything related to sur- sourcing. Like you're going to have to submit purchase orders. Some vendors are going to have, you know, you're going to send an email to submit an order. Some are going to have automated systems. Some you're going to be sending a PO to a sales rep. It can really just run the gamut as far as what it looks like on the the sourcing side. And I'm curious from your perspective, how, what are some tips to help stay organized in that process to understand lead times and keep yourself organized on that so you don't run out of anything and just managing those raw materials coming in. What tips do you have or what pitfalls have you seen people fall into and then, you know, get in trouble that we can avoid? Right, right. Um, it's interesting that you bring this up because the, the sourcing component of Fiddle is actually one of the first things that we built. And it was specifically because there was a, a, a pretty big problem with this uh, manufacturer that we were working with. And Manufacturers are a little bit different than brands in that a manufacturer, especially for, you know, let's say like a supplement company, um, they might need to source thousands and thousands of different raw materials just because of the wide um, variety of, of things that go into supplements. Right. And so these guys had this problem on, 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 you know, on steroids, which was we're constantly reaching out to these suppliers. They're sending us 
information back in in a variety of different forms. You know, sometimes it's just an email. Here's your price. You know, here are your price breaks. Or, um, you know, there some of them will send you an actual price list. Some of them will sell, send you like an Excel spreadsheet. Um, you know, send you a link. You know, and it's just tough to keep track of of all of this stuff. You know, it, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't necessarily seem like a like a huge deal, except for when you need to make decisions really quickly. Um, you don't want to have to go through and comb through your emails and you know look at you know an email from six months ago from you know some supplier um, before you can you can decide yes or no um, in a business decision you know you need to kind of have that information at your fingertips um, and so one of the things that we built for this uh, manufacturer was a way to be able to um, be able to keep all of their supplier pricing in one place be able to easily search through it um, be able to see your pricing across different vendors um, and then um, keep a history of it so that you can see your pricing over time, you know? And so that's something that's actually pretty core to, to fiddle. Um, and it's just, it's one of these things where it's, um, the alternatives that we see out there and probably the most common thing that we see is that it's in somebody's email, it's in so-and-so's email. And so you have to start thinking about, you know, what if that person, and these are real use cases, what if that person, you know, gets fired? And so now, um, you know, you have to comb through their email in order to get all this or they're on maternity leave, you know, or, you know, the, the person, you know, decides to decides to quit and take another job and they've got all this supplier pricing in their head. You know, yep. um, um, it, it just it just makes you really vulnerable as a company. Um, and um, and then even something as simple as, you know, I don't want to have to be the only um, person that knows you know, what we pay for all this. We, this is actually knowledge that, you know, more people in my company need to know and like have available to them, you know? And so anyway, that's, that's one of the motivations for that feature in, in Fiddle. Um, but it really helps to be able to just move a lot quicker and to scale if you can, um, you know, have a place that you, a central place where you can keep all of your pricing. Um, and the way that that leads right into purchase orders is, is then um, when you need to cut POs, you know, it, it's not like you're referencing, you know, some external spreadsheet in good cases, or you're combing through emails, you know, and sort of the bad cases that we see. Um, you have the pricing right there as you go to cut a PO, you know, you can just select the pricing um, from that vendor. Um, you can see if you're qualifying for price discounts. Um, and so then, so then you can make sure to maybe up your quantity a little bit so that you qualify, you know, just, just things like this, having that data at your fingertips is really important uh, to be able to get get the best prices and to be able to make decisions. So um, one of the other points that, you know, a lot of people don't don't uh, think about is, you know, if you're cutting your, your POs um, in an Excel spreadsheet, you know, or just a Word doc that you're sending out or even just an email, a lot of times when the, those things are actually delivered, what you want to do is you want to be able to reference the original PO and you want to kind of receive against that PO so that you know that you're getting everything that you ordered that you, and you paid for. Um, and and so, you know, having, having a system is really helpful uh, for that way. Where you're literally receiving on on the PO, you know, I ordered a thousand units of this. Looks like only 900 units came in. Now you know, okay, I'm short here. Do I need to contact my vendor, or is this all they're going to send me when I get billed? I need to um, reference that PO so that I don't pay for a thousand units, even though I only got a, a 900 delivered. Um, you know, those those types of things. So, um, you know, that that's something that's pretty core to, to fiddle and and one of the things that we help people with. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. And I think it even comes, it can even come into play because you don't want to be leaving money on the table if you've been shorted on an order or if there's damage, but they're also just from a audit process. If you're a certified organic product or, or, you know, any of the certifications can have different looking audits. But I know for myself sitting through 
uh, organic audits of like, all right, you know, you ordered this this much on this day. And where's the paperwork that shows that you received this much? Oh, they don't match. Where did that go? And that becomes a compliance issue because if you're organic, you could have sold that to someone else or it could be it could affect your certification. So not tracking those things can really come to bite you later and having a way to systematize that and make sure that it's just all in one place will save you uh, hours and hours in preparations for audits and just during an audit to be able to be like, oh, all my information is in one place. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I I think it also helps you from the other perspective where, you know, as you scale, um, you start to deal with more and more sophisticated clients, you know, maybe wholesale customers that will need the um, access to some of that data. You yeah. know? Um, so for instance, I, I know, um, target in the, in the U S and, and, um, and, um, Costco, you know, they, they have, you know, a little bit stricter, um, uh, level of quality that they expect from, from their vendors. And so they'll deal with you for a little while, but if, if you're really going to scale with them, they really do need to, to know that, that you've got your stuff together and that you, uh, you've got your C of A's, you're keeping all the records, you know, you've got your certifications, um, and that you're not just kind of flying by the seat of your pants, you know? And so, um, you know, we've seen a lot of people struggle as they try to get into, you know, like a, like a, a Costco or Target or a whole, a whole foods where, you know, if you don't have your your paperwork together, um, you're not even really being considered. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, at some level, those the whether it's SQF or some sort of GFSI or I know Costco even has additional audits and addendums on top of those, and so it can become a lot if you if you don't have all those places set up from the beginning before you really start to scale. Right. Right. Yeah. And in fact, you know, one of our uh, first clients, um, that was actually the consideration was, you know, they were using spreadsheets um, and they were actually pretty fine with it. Um, But when they went to Costco, Costco said, you know, we're okay to, to do a little trial, but you know, you really need to, to get your, your stuff together. And so they came to us, you know, not only um, for sort of a central place for um, C of A's and, and, and all that documentation, but um, also for batch records, you know, and that's kind of the whole other side of things is, is, you know, if you're involved in the manufacturing process in any way, you know, in terms of, you know, either you supply the raw materials to your co-packer or you manufacture in-house or or even some in some cases, if you're kidding and bundling in-house, um, you, you need proper records of, of all of that to make sure that that good manufacturing processes are being followed. You know, and so, um, you know, a piece of what we do in Fiddle with our manufacturing background is that we can help to generate some of that documentation um, and to um, be able to provide an audit trail. So when a Costco you know, wants to look at your paperwork for that manufacturing run that you did, um, you can easily pull that up and, and show it to them. So, you know, th- those things are pretty important. And, and the the batch records, you know, that's pretty unique to like a food or beverage type space. But, you know, in startup CPG, you know, that's probably one of the biggest categories um, is a lot of, you know, food and beverage type companies, anything consumable. That's when these records become really important. Yeah. And, you know, you touched a little bit on self-manufacturing and we talked a little about co-packing. I'm wondering if you could kind of talk us through at what point should founders and brands start thinking about, all right, you know, I've maybe I've built some spreadsheets, maybe like you meant the one company you mentioned, you know, maybe you're feeling like it's okay. When, what size should they be at before they start thinking, all right, maybe I need a system. Is there a threshold? Can it be super early? I'm wondering if you could just talk through when people should really start considering, maybe I'll need an external inventory management system to help me with this. 
Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the one of the big things is, you know, there's certain triggers that, that we've identified uh, here at Fiddle um, that make it where, OK, maybe you should you should consider a system like Fiddle, um, you know, and, and we've touched on a couple of them. So maybe you're trying to, to um, get into um, big box stores or you're trying to ramp up your wholesale program, um, you know, that that's where, you know, a system like Fiddle um, is important um, you, you, if you're stack, uh, stocking out of product. You know, either the the finished good or the um, the raw materials or packaging, any any piece of your your system or sorry of your product that's that's causing delays. You know, that's that's where okay, hey, maybe you need a system um, uh, for this. Um, another one is if you're if you're hiring. You know, a lot of people don't consider that. You know, the the way I like to look at spreadsheets is actually that I I and, and maybe I just preface this. I love spreadsheets. And in fact, when when we engage with a customer, I always want to look at their spreadsheets. You know, I want to see how they've been doing this because you know it's actually not that much different than than what I do. You know, when I'm programming something, is like you're building tools. Um, you know, you just happen to be building it with this with spreadsheet software, um, and and you're building tools with something that maybe wasn't meant for what you're using it for. You know, um, you're trying to turn like an accounting tool into a project management tool. You know, into an operations tool, and it just wasn't really meant for that. So you run into struggles related to that. But, you know, I, I just have to say, I'm kind of a, a, a junkie when it comes to this. It's like, I always <laughs> want to see, you know, how you're running your company, how you've been able to build, you know, this amazing company, um, you know, uh, using these spreadsheets. Um, and then um, then we look at them and we look at, okay, what do we need to do to, to turn this um, into something that that can solve some of the problems that, that, that people run into? You know, and so... Uh, you know, I think you can go, you know, uh, a ways, you know, maybe you can get to, you know, half a million, maybe even a million dollars, maybe even a little bit further, you know, using spreadsheets. Um, a lot of times, though, people end up um, kind of throwing bodies at the problem, which is you just hire people to manage your spreadsheets. And that and that gets tough. Google Sheets actually made it a little bit better in that you can share sheets so you can share information that that makes it a little more useful. But it's still it's still tough to get at historical data. You, you know, somebody can change a number here and you know you don't really know um it, it's tough to get to okay who made that change why was it made that kind of stuff um and so you're still kind of flying by the seat of your pants but you know i have to i i have to give it up i mean i i respect spreadsheets and and i know that they're powerful and you can do a lot with them and you know i've been i've had my mind blown you know what people can do with them the, the fundamental issue that i'm kind of bringing up is it might be well and fine for you to be able to babysit this spreadsheet that you've been building you know let's say for five years and that you're very familiar with it and you know the ins and outs. But if you're trying to scale and you're trying to bring on more people to your team and then you sit them in front of this really complicated you know, spreadsheet that just scrolls and scrolls and scrolls and you know, you're looking at tab 5,000 you know, at the bottom of the spreadsheet, that's, that's really tough. You know, it's tough for anybody to, to load all that into their head and, and to you know, get, get moving pretty quickly. And so a lot of times, you know, you, you want to look at a, at a system like fiddle when, when you really are ready to scale, when you, when you're ready to take it to the next level, you're ready to build a team. Um, that's, that's where fiddle can really help you. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think also it, I know it at live bar, it was helpful for us. We kind of focused on doing some of our, our inventory system implementation when prior to knowing some big orders were maybe down the line of like, all right, there's enough things in the funnel. Something's going to hit. Let's implement the system before we have so many purchase orders that were overwhelmed and that the documentation is piling up. 
Like, let's get that implemented, not in the middle of a rush or, you know, the biggest production day we've ever had. And I was so glad that, you know, that we planned it like that because it just saves so much hassle to be like, oh, okay, it was, you know, not slow, but a little slower. And then when the big orders came, it was like, oh, we already set up the system. Everyone's familiar with it. We don't have to be rushing to implement this and make it work in the midst of this big order that's kind of make or break it for, you know, smaller brands as you grow. You got to meet those big orders as they come in. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and, and another, uh, you know, sort of big, big motivation, you know, to adopt a system is, you know, you've got a, a accounting problems where it's, you know, your numbers are all over the place. You know, maybe you took investment and, you know, your VCs and your CFO and um, your accountant, your bookkeeper, they're asking for certain numbers that are just, that just take you way too long to get to, you know? Um, and this is where I touched to, touched on with COGS, you know, and, and operationally and decision-making wise, it's, it's really tough to operate if you don't know your COGS, but just, just basic, basic numbers. How much have you, you paid to that vendor? What do you owe them? You know, um, these are some of these are accounting related, but a lot of them are actually operational, you know, and it has to do with how much have you received, you know, how many POs are outstanding, um, you know, which which vendors are you are you using most? You know, why aren't we using that other vendor who's who has a better lead time and can actually save us an inventory cost because we don't have to, you know, we don't have to plan for such a, a, a long period of time. You know, um, you know, there's all these types of things that can really affect, you know, that uh, how you run your company. Um, and so um, we, the reason I, I actually brought that up is because we're kind of running into into uh, tax season. You know, we've we've just gotten through the big holiday rush through Black Friday. You know, we're catching our breath a little bit, um, but we're running right into tax season. And so this is when we as, as, as a company have a lot of accountants who reach out to us and say, hey, you know, my client really needs to implement something. And if you think about it from their perspective is because, you know, the, the client just uh, shared with them, you know, 20 Google Docs that are supposed to, they're supposed to make sense of and do the accounting based on. And it's just really tough, you know? Yeah. And, and so accountants sometimes or CFOs or, or, you know, their big motivation is, okay, we need to figure, we need to figure this out and systematize it. So. Right. And when, when a brand's at the decision point of, okay, we're going to, we want to implement an inventory system, but we have no idea where to start. We got to go out shopping for inventory, which may or may not be your strong suit professionally. What tips do you have for Obviously, we're we're hoping that, you know, everyone's heading to the the fiddle site in the show notes after this podcast. But I'm wondering about your your tips for going out shopping for inventory systems. What are red flags? What are good signs when you're talking to a vendor? What are, you know, just kind of big watchouts and considerations that you should have as as you go through the process when it may or inventory management may or may not be your personal forte, but you want to make sure you choose the right system for your brand. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like in a, in, a, in a lot of ways, this is a, this is sort of a perfect, you know, perfect softball um, because this is the motivation for why Fiddle exists is that we found that a lot of the existing tools were pretty terrible you know, and overly difficult to use, you know, and fundamentally it, it comes down to, you know, is, is this something that my team can actually be successful implementing? Um, a lot of the, the tools out there are, are cumbersome. They're big, you know, like, um, you know, I know like a three person team that, you know, is looking at implementing like a NetSuite or something. And it's sort of like, do you really, you know, think that you can be successful with that? You know, I think NetSuite's going to take another couple people to your team just to run it. You know, um, um, and, and so, you know, and NetSuite, I actually think, you know, I have respect for, for NetSuite. I think that they do a lot of things well. It's just, you know, you have to make sure it's the right fit for, for your team. 
Um, you know, and so a lot of what we focus on at Fiddle is just, you know, can we make a piece of software that's a lot more approachable to the average person, you know, where you don't actually have to have, you know, a PhD in supply chain before <laughs> you can, you can, you know, figure out the software, you know, and so um, ease of use is, is a real big one because, you know, frankly, you know how busy you are. And if it's hard for you to, to do this, you're just not going to do it. You know, you're going to revert back to your spreadsheets or just not doing it at all. Um, you know, and so so that's that's a big one. Um, one of the things that I always watch out for, you know, not just in, in inventory software, but in all software is I actually want to try it. I want to use it. I want want to like click around and I want to I want to, you know, really really kind of get my hands dirty. That's kind of the only way I know that it's like, um, that, that it's something I can, I can use. You know, I know one of our, our competitors, um, we heard that from their salespeople that they don't even like to show the software um, and they don't want people to use it before they sign up, you know? So <laughs> if someone's asking oh, you for yeah. a $20,000 purchase order in order to, to, to buy this thing before you, you can even see it or click around, I think that's a huge red flag. You know, you know, and then and then support, you know, being able to to uh, contact, you know, people at the company and, and get help when when you need it. I think that's huge, um, especially in the early days. You know, hopefully you won't be hitting them up too much. But, you know, in the early days, it's you know, you need a lot of handholding to, to figure things out and get all your data in there and stuff. And so um, one of our another one of our competitors, we, we heard that, you know, once they sell the software, they actually go dark for about 20 to 30 days. And that's like part of their their strategy Whoa. you know and and you know i think they look at it like okay we want to just kind of force people to get in there and figure things out themselves you know instead of asking every little question but you know i question that strategy and that I, I just don't think that's a very good user experience you know you know so there's there's things like that um but it, really it comes down to you need to feel uh, you know, find a tool that's a good fit for where you are as a company. You know, it makes no sense to try to adopt, you know, like an Oracle or SAP if you are like a three-person team. That that makes no sense at all. That's just, you know, software that's just too big for where you're at as a company. Maybe eventually it might make sense, but not now. And so, yeah, finding something that's a good fit for, for where you are, I think is really important. Yeah, no, that's great. And, you know, maybe I'm biased because we've got a ops nerd host of the podcast, but I definitely would encourage any brands to, if you're, if you're thinking about inventory system, definitely see a demo of Fiddle. Because I know once I saw the demo, I was like, where was this when we were implementing our system? I didn't know this was an option because the software that, you know, we had ended up going with was it felt like you needed a PhD to run it of like, oh my word, like we had to, we had to make a like 20 slide PowerPoint of how to enter batch records at the end of the day. And then we had to pay someone external to enter them because it was so complex. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't workable. Like this is, you know, we just need to be able to put in what's happening and upload files. And so I was, I was amazed when I saw the fiddle demo I was like, oh, there's all these integrations. There's all these pieces, like it's user-friendly. Like I kind of assumed that all inventory management software looked like it was 20 years old. And it was like, oh, this is a fresh, you know, interface that actually is intuitive as through the demo. I'm like, if we click that, is it going to do that? And he's like, yep. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Like my brain is tracking all of this. Like this is, this is so cool. So it's definitely, you know, like I said, I'm a little biased as, as a little bit of a nerd, but I think it's super cool, cool, super cool system. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think that that's, that's, you know, exactly the response, you know, that, that we want. Um, it, it shouldn't, you know, be overly complicated. You know, sometimes, you know, these processes, there is some complication in them, but as far as the software goes, you know, we want to limit it just to the, the few clicks and, you know, uh, data entry that's uh, the fewest that's necessary in order to do the job. And, and um, 
you know, I, I think in this space too, it's interesting that, you know, I think that, you know, and this is what we've said in some of our investor pitches. And, and it's like, when I look out into the world, I actually think that this is absolutely true. When I look at, um, you know, where all the innovation has happened software wise or technology wise, you know, in, in this space, it's all sort of on the front end. It's on the retail side, you know, where you've got, you know, options like Shopify and, and, um, you know, um, Amazon, you know, it's, it's easier than ever to like, you know, put up a storefront and to sell it. Like I remember 15 years ago when we were trying to do that, it was really difficult. In fact, we, we bought a business from somebody because they couldn't figure out how to make the e-commerce side work you know, and, and we came in and kind of knew how to do that, but it wasn't easy today. It's, you know, you can spin up a Shopify site in an afternoon and you're, you're selling, you know, all of that stuff on that side, lots of innovation, lots of innovation about how to get people to your website. You've got, you know, Facebook, you've got Instagram, you've got Pinterest, you've got all these different ways in order to get traffic. The part of, of this whole process that really hasn't seen a ton of innovation is all sort of the, the back office supply chain side, where once you step into that and you look at the tools available on that side, it's like, it really is like stepping back 20, 30 years, you know? Um, the software is really old and archaic. It's difficult. It's it's just a bad user experience. And so, you know, our our mission, you know, as, as a company at Fiddle is really to try to bring some of that innovation that you see on the front side and that sort of level of, of um, you know, ease of use that you find in like a tool like a Shopify and bring it to some of these backend tools, you know, to the purchase order side, to the um, batch record creation side, you know, to the inventory tracking you know, if we can kind of keep that same level of complexity, we think that we've succeeded as a company, you know, and that's that's something that we're always working towards. Absolutely. And if if someone is interested in learning more about Fiddle and implementing it at their company, can you walk us through what that looks like of, you know, maybe initially engaging the team and then, you know, deciding to purchase and then kind of how long does implementation take generally? Are there any things to, to consider to set people up best for success through the process? You know, what's the kind of customer journey through through purchasing Fiddle? Sure. Yeah. I mean, to, to contact us, it's really easy. Just fiddle.io. Um, you just go there. There's a, actually a little chat um, icon on the bottom right. Click on that and you're you're immediately talking to, to, to one of our team members. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we can, we can point you in the right direction if it makes sense to set up a demo so that you can have a look at the software. Um, that's, that's something that we can do, you know, really easily. Um, we also have a request a demo button right in the middle of the, the, the front page. Just click that, fill out your information and, uh, we're, we're happy to set up something for you. Um, now in terms of, you know, what, what purchasing, you know, inventory software looks like, uh, we've purposely kind of changed a few critical aspects of it. Um, uh, you know, in the past, you always had to sign some sort of year contract or multi-year contract. You have to shell out a bunch of money up front. We're purposely month to month. Um, we want to make it really easy for you to, to try us out and see if it's, it works for you. Um, if it doesn't, then, you know, you're not tied to any, you know, huge long-term commitment, you know, and, and we, we kind of look at that as a way as it kind of keeps us honest too, you know, to make sure that we're always building software that's actually useful to people. Because if we can't keep you, then, then, you know, we'll be out of business pretty quickly, you know? And so, and so we think that that's a win-win, you know, for, for the ease of purchasing um, and making the decision to, to give us a try. Um, but then also it makes us, you know, um, make sure to keep our promises on our side and actually, you know, provide value. Um, 
Now, in terms of of uh, actually, you know, uh, moving forward, let's say that you go to the website, you set up a demo. Typically, you're going to look at a demo. Uh, maybe you'll have, you know, one or two or three demos, you know, to different members of your team. And um, then we set you up on a free trial where you can um, actually go in there and click around and, and you know, uh, kick the tires a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we'll just send you a, a, a sales agreement and um, we just send it over. You, um, it's electronic. You fill it out, um, and then and then you're 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 in fiddle. You've got an account, and you're moving forward. Um, and now we enter the the implementation phase. We are really hands on when it comes to implementation. Um, it's really good for us to to talk with you and to figure out your your business and you know what we need to um, make sure to set up correctly in fiddle for you to be successful. The idea is that you know while there are some things that you might do a little bit different um, in Fiddle than what you're currently doing, we we don't want to change your whole process. We we want to just um, fit right in line with uh, with what you already have going that's working. Um, and so we'll we'll set up. Uh, uh, usually it's three or four different um, onboarding uh, calls where we will uh, you know import your your data. Um, we will review the data, make sure it's um, it's it's all uniform and it's and it's in a in good shape uh, for us to import and fiddle. We usually take care of that for you, um, and then we just kind of hold your hand as you uh, as you start um, processing your POs and um, you know batch records. If if we're going to do you know batch records, uh, work orders, you know tracking your your production runs, you know that kind of stuff. Uh, putting in your sales orders that are coming in from your wholesale customers, um, you know any sort of integrations that we need to do to your e-commerce, um, you know. So so we're really hands on, um, but that's usually how the process looks, and it's usually you know within within a month or two you're off and running and and um and and you're using Fiddle, um, hopefully saving yourself a lot more time and and uh, you know focusing on other areas of your business um, instead of, you know, maintaining that, that complicated spreadsheet. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what it looks like. Uh, it was that kind of what you were, you were asking about. Yeah, no, that's, that's super great. I'm also wondering if you could give us a quick, quick pitch for your own podcast, the physical product movement podcast, in case listeners are interested in checking out an episode. Yeah. Um, you know, the physical product movement podcast, um, you can search for it, um, in any, any podcast player, it's usually pretty, pretty easy, but really what we, we do is I, I love talking to people that are actually running their own businesses and, you know, people that have, uh, kind of had the audacity to start a brand or start a business, you know, in this, in this space. And, and, um, you know, I, I like to kind of dig into the background of, you know, where were they at when they, they decided to start the business? What did they do? What are some mistakes they made? What are, what are some things they did that, you know, led to success and how are they able to grow? You know, and, and I kind of look at it like it's it's honestly something it's, it's almost a selfish thing for me because I just I'm just very interested in this. But I just think it's one of these these areas where there's not a lot of knowledge about like actually what to do, you know, and different strategies and tactics to use. Um, and often, you know, as an entrepreneur in, in, in you know, one of these type of uh, businesses, it can get very lonely, you know, where you feel like you're the only one struggling with these things. And so anyway, it's nice to, it's nice to talk to people, you know, fellow operators, fellow founders, um, people that are, that are in the arena, you know, actually putting up the, the good fight. And, um, and so, um, the physical product movement podcast, and, uh, you can search for it, um, pretty much any, any podcast player. Awesome. Thank you. And 
I'm wondering if we could kind of end on. So on Ken's podcast, he asked his guests to share one of their favorite quotations. And Ken, I'm wondering if you could leave us with a word. It doesn't necessarily have to be a quotation, but just some sort of word of wisdom for founders, especially as they embark in this, you know, digging into some of these inventory and physical product movement. Kind of do you have some parting words of wisdom for us that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, well, um, I, I, I'm a sucker for a good quote, you know, and so one of my favorites is actually from Mark Twain. And he says, don't let school get in the way of your education. And, um, you know, it kind of um, is one of these core things that, that I believe, which is you always have to be learning, you know, and, and in the past, you know, or, you know, some people still think this way. It's, you know, that you have to go to school in order to learn. But the truth is we're, we're in a, a, a great time in history when you can just learn things you know, constantly, you know, from some of the best in the world. You know, I always talk about the the University of YouTube, you know, where you can literally just look up any video and 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 learn how to do something that maybe you didn't know. So anyway, I, I think that running a business, you know, one of the, the great side effects of it is that in order for you to build, you know, let's say that $100 million company, you have to grow into that type of person or that person that can run a hundred million dollar company. It requires growth and learning, you know, and that's, that's one of the, um, the things that's most exciting about it. So anyway, I think it's just always be learning, you know, it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be in school. Um, there's a lot of different resources and ways in which you can, you can learn. So that would be Excellent. my advice. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us. This has been super valuable. Just really appreciate your time. Yeah, Jesse, this has been great. You know, it's always good to talk to you and maybe we'll we'll set up for a fourth interview sometime. <laughs> there we go. We'll just keep <laughs> we'll just keep doing podcast interviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. So, yeah, it's good to talk to you. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks for this episode to our partner Fiddle. You can visit fiddle.io for more information and links are in the show notes. This Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by the Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.